Hello everyone and welcome to this pubisode. In this edition of the Infinite Escape Room, we sit down, have a drink and discuss last week's room. We go into detail on why I chose to lavishly describe every single feature of the path up to the escape room and then spend almost no time describing the room itself. We then move on to how you can rifle a bow and arrow, the English weakness for morally corrupt but charming upper-class leaders, and finally, road safety, and why banning bicycle helmets could perversely make us all safer. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to the Holy Head, the creepy pub at the end of the lane where the dead go to drink. There are poltergeists over in the corner there throwing stalls at each other invisibly as well as your standard ghosts and ghouls popping in for a pint and then dribbling us all over the floor. And here we are. So uh, my round, what are we having? Rattlers. Rattlers. Mm. What is that, Alan? That is, this is a Cornish cider. Cloudy cider. So Cornish cider is that's dry, isn't it? That's a dry cider. Mm. Uh, like a scrumpy? Yeah, like a scrumpy. Why is it cider with a Y? Is that like, it's it's not actual proper cider, so we have to write it with a Y? Oh, it is. It's because it's cool. Look how zany it is. It's, it's really cool. But the snake just looks like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> what they would drink if they drank. It is really nice. Yeah? Yeah. You rate it among the ciders? Very highly. Fair enough. Don, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking mead that is homemade by someone i know Ooh. i don't know if you can see but there is some sediment to it i gotta say dom if you said that was a urine sample i'd believe you if it was a urine sample i would say that's that's pretty good going because it's fairly clear mm. it's uh yes well hydrated it's um it's it's very dry oddly for something so well hydrated it's very dry and not very sweet which i like in uh anything wine related so I'm I'm confused. I thought the whole point of I've not really tried mead, but I thought the whole point of it was that it was sweet. Yeah, the whole point of it is that it's brewed with honey. I see. So it's the process rather than um, the product. Okay, interesting. Onikos, what do you got there? I am drinking a delicious pint of elderflower cordial. Damn, um, you know how to live. It would be a pina colada, but I don't have anything in the back of my cupboard apart from bags of polenta and stuff. That's a beautiful callback. You're very welcome. I at the back of my fridge this has been languishing here for a while and i'm not sure how i feel about these i'm drinking one of those pre-mixed jd and cokes oh yeah oh is it nice um, it is i <sighs> he said with a giant question mark well it is nice but at the same time do they tell you what the ratio is on the can they mm. they tell you the alcohol percentage because they have to and it's five percent so i think the ratio is probably pretty low uh it's presumably it's quite Good for a 330 mil can. That's mm. going to be a, a shot, right? Well, the alcohol mixed drink with Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, 12.5%, and Coca Cola, 87.5%. So there you are. There's the ratios 12.5% JD. Oh, just going to say, JD is only 12.5%. No, 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 no. They mean the ratio in the can. Oh, I see. Percentage I was going to say alcohol of the whiskey. That's a, that is a pretty terrible bourbon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be. I mean, JD is a pretty terrible bourbon. I think I think that's is that okay to say? Yep. Yeah, we can say it. Bourbon is is a terrible is a terrible whiskey and JD whoa, is a whoa. terrible bourbon. Whoa whoa. Whoa whoa. <laughs> Dom Dominic. It's the worst of the worst. We can say it. It's all right. Dom Dominic? No. I I won't have that on this show. Bourbon, good bourbon is delicious. No, the only good bourbons um, are the biscuits. I would also say it is the only like whiskey that it's okay to drink with ice. 
I think that's fair. Uh, no, I think like cheap. If you put ice in other whiskey, you're just wrong. Cheap scotch, like uh, Bell's or something, that you're drinking just to be drinking rather than drinking for the enjoyment. You can put you can put ice in that if you want. Welcome to Dom's Alcoholic Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Dom, and he has some strong opinions on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mead. Uh, um, I uh, when I was 18 years old. My girlfriend lived with her, her granddad and he was a big whiskey man and he had two bottles of whiskey and he'd have one shot of the good stuff and then it was Tesco's value for the rest of the evening. And his argument was that after one shot, you can't tell the difference. Yeah, I don't think that's... I mean, I wouldn't quite do it like that, but I don't think that's too far off. I think once you're drunk, put away the good stuff because you mm. you're just going to keep putting it in your throat. You're not really going to notice it. You're thinking about other things. Yeah, if you want to drink decent scotch... I was going to say decent whiskey, but then John would probably think I meant bourbon. Um, if you want to drink decent scotch, then, um, you know, just just have that like on its own. And then if you want to get drunk, drink something else. I could get behind that. I could get behind that. But then you could probably apply that to everything. Probably apply it to wine. No. Probably uh, apply it to water. Wine's only good for getting drunk with, let's be honest. If it's a bad bottle of wine, it's it's not worth drinking. We're, we're slowly angling for that 19 Crimes sponsorship deal. That's good that wine. Oh, it's such a that, good I can't wine. Beat that wine. I still have not found anything that beats it. It's good wine. I hope you're out there, 19 Crimes. I hope you're listening. I, don't I want think that they need, They don't need it, though, do they? They don't need our our um, no, our evangelism. They're doing fine. They've got an Aldi ripoff, which is horrible. Um, which is horrible. But I feel so like that's the that's 20th the crime, is it? <laughs> no, it's what, what's it called, John? It's something like the unspeakable like, or something like that. Or unpardonables or something like it's something really lame and it's you can tell they're sort of close in flavor and the labels are a bit and the close. labels are very similar but the price is the same if not more and the, <laughs> the taste is awful you can see what they've tried to emulate and it's just not quite there i genuinely believe that if you if you have a, a brand of any kind or a specific product that you do of any kind and aldi does a ripoff of your product complete with sort of faux branding that's like yours you have a right you've made friend. it yeah that's the ultimate compliment. Although it's, I actually prefer stackers to Pringles. Get out. Is that the Ali ripoff Pringles? Yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of massive compliments, let's discuss the room uh, that you guys just did. Okay. Give us give us our massive compliment for getting through it then. Um, so the massive compliment I owe to you guys is that you actually completed it missing one of the solves. Oh, oh wow. Uh, which is Which is a bit annoying for me. Because I set up the room geographically very carefully so that this was possible to do in a certain way. And then you solved it anyway because I didn't make one of the, the elements of it tough enough, which annoys me. But at the same time, much props to you. And main prop have to go to Onikos for starting that one off. It was the solve of combining the spiral and the letter grid. Yeah. Uh, mm. And the reason you guys started to get that was because Onikos found, didn't you find Bullet? I found Bullet, yeah. Yeah. You found Bullet and that got you guys staring into the letter grid and using that as a beginning and you found quite quickly a bullet in my place, which you weren't supposed to find. The idea was that you would use the levers to hold the two doors open and then look in the mirror and see the spiral reflected back from oh. the other side of the room. That's why the spiral was giant and the mirror was just a normal size. But I realised, as I was, we were getting to that part, I realised, oh, fuck, I forgot to reverse the spiral. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked. No. It would have been uh... Which means that 
having babbled on about it being a true mirror, <laughs> Alid, like making sure that was the case, <laughs> this would technically be wrong. And I'd already given you the spot. The thing that I, I think that my biggest question about the, about the, the room in, in general was, hmm. um, I don't understand how the phrase a bullet in my place helped us. You were supposed to come to that once you got the spiral on top of the letter grid. Right. The spiral pattern is repeated on the lock of the cabinet, which you have just revealed. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, I'd missed that point then. To be fair, I, ju- I just said it. I didn't give you another image. And maybe, given that I presented the first two as images, maybe I should have... I'll be honest, I ran out of time. Uh, it was just because you maybe said I lock, and I was like, right, that means we're allowed to break it. And I just... Yeah. I was like, right, I and then I'm in my element. Mirror then, screw that. Let's, let's break this lock. Break everything. <laughs> it's so hard, though, like describing something in a way that doesn't eliminate the possibility that it can be destroyed because you want it to be destroyed, but doesn't also say, destroy me, destroy me. I could be destroyed. It's really hard to find that that line. Yeah. Because could you, like, break a really heavy metal lock like that with a musket ball? Probably not. Um, but I, I need it, needed it to happen. Can I take some praise now for not trying to break every aspect of this puzzle? <laughs> you can. I mean, your, your desperation in finding elements to move around the rooms to jam the doors open was admirable. Yeah, see, you should have put the armchair <laughs> in there. You could have just said, I know divots in the carpet where an I know. must have stood. And Yeah, no you're, no, you're quite right. You're quite right. Because having put that in there, just to recreate the portrait scene, you guys then fixated on that as the target of a bullet in my place. Completely understandably, in a way that I had not anticipated at all. Because it also happened to be the last painting that you came to. So that was your natural conclusion. It had to be. I don't think we could have reached the paintings in a different order. We had to have, yeah. Yeah, no, no, you are right. You are right. You couldn't have reached them in a different order. You could have hung them in a different order, Jonathan. I'll be honest, Onikos. Um, I, I was, I was writing. <laughs> you were of hanging this. them as we were playing, weren't you? <laughs> there have been wet paint signs all over this thing. I did really like the the element with the paintings. I thought that was uh, with the the with what he said, and knowing now how you like to hide vital clues in seeming set up at the beginning as soon as he said something to us i immediately wrote that down and i thought that's gonna be important and i underlined it and then um i didn't look any higher than my drawings of the rooms again until right at the end <laughs> when i was like paintings and then i suddenly remembered that but i did i thought that was a really nice um really nice bit of a puzzle there thank you i thought you worked that out really well dom as well because i i was yeah i, 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 I it took me a while after you'd already found the the numbers and opened the the cupboard to figure out how you had done it. And you were like, Oh, it's the not I. So it's whoever else is in the painting count that. Mm. But it's also, so Dom, the order that you went with there, Mm. where did you get that order? So that wasn't the order we discovered them in. I don't think. Uh, Correct. It's also not the order of his, is it the order? It was the order of his life, wasn't it? I think so. So it's cradle to grave. That was how I did it. Yes. Yeah. Um, they were the ones where the, him getting younger to older. And originally I yes. thought I might have to flip it because it said not I, not I. So again, it wouldn't be. So the first one would be not I. Oh, like I'd, I'd put in a double negative. Mm. Yeah. So the first one, the first one would mean that it's not him. And the second one would mean that he didn't go cradle to grave. It should be round the other way. Oh my God. But, so I wow, got to the obvious one first. And luckily that was right. Yeah. No, I feel like that would have been, that would have been a cryptic layer too far 
for you. Um, but yeah, no, nice, nicely done. That was exactly how that whole section was supposed to work. So it was very pleasing to see that come together. I think um, one thing I'm confused about was why we were there and why we only had half an hour to leave. Yeah, I'll be honest. The the, the time limit was very much a uh, side uh, show in this one. I'm guessing Connor had somewhere else he had to be. Connor had somewhere else to be. Okay. I should have had like Foxen's being ready to bulldoze the house with a with like a wrecking ball being revved up outside. And then it would immediately nice. burn down like the, the crooked mm. pub. Like the crooked pub. Oh. Not that I ever went there, but it's just sort of slightly sad that something so so unique and so quaint and so nice would be. It's also just so rare you see insurance fraud done quite so blatantly in in the national news it's like oh so we've just sold this and it's hit the national news what should we do now it's like burn it down and knock it down it's like maybe wait till it's not actively yeah. in the in the minds of people who had never heard of it until yesterday maybe wait a week even you know no yeah like all like run the business into the ground for yeah, you exactly. know do do, do the some, honorable thing <laughs> do, do something for a while before yeah crazy um, and incredibly ham-fisted. But there we go. That's very much the sign of the times. Uh, yeah, no, you guys, uh, you did a very good job there. I got a little bit worried when your your fixation on finding a killer in the paintings deepened and deepened and deepened. Oh, I still want to know who killed him. Yes, it's Hesse who done it. Absolutely nothing. I mean, it's, it's Chekhov. Connor's, you... Connor's grandfather is there somewhere with a musket. Great, great grandfather. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one, one of the people in the paintings, the only ones with guns had, had rifles, and yet he was murdered with a musket. I mean, you, you might you might think, if you were a suspicious sort or a cynical sort, that uh, I might have just forgotten that I'd written musket earlier on. <laughs> we know that he didn't do himself in because he then kind of locked himself in the cabinet. Cab- cab- so mm. in the cabinet. original idea for the room, he did do himself in. Um, and he so was he dug his to... own grave, went yeah, inside, yeah. shot himself in the cupboard, and was just like, "Oh wait, hold on, I've missed a step here. How am I now going to get? Damn it! Yeah, yeah, I've screwed this up. I hope someone comes around in a few hundred years' time and solves this." There was going to be a, a whole thing about the ghost shoots himself and is disappointed to find that he becomes a ghost ghost, a ghost ghost, uh, oh, and, wow. and goes no oh. further. But also, still, so somebody had dug a grave for him. Presumably the he, fact that they so couldn't, they couldn't find his body. This is where all the plot holes get dug out. Yeah, there we go. I'll be honest. There was a plot. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just thought it was nice and sinister to be walking up the, the garden path and see a dug open grave that was then never filled, like overgrown. I thought your um, your narration, I started making notes and I stopped and just started enjoying it. Mm. The, the opening narration was very, very atmospheric. I enjoyed that. Especially the bit about the apple trees. Thank you. I will try and find some creepy, suitable music to go over it. Yeah, and the mist and the crunching of the gravel and... Yeah, it it, it was very, visu- uh, very visual, to be fair. Mm. And then when you get into the room, there is nothing in this room, guys. There's no carpet. There's no furniture. <laughs> There's I just envisage flagstones. It's fine. What what does it look like? Miss Havisham's place. Don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Shut up and solve my room. <laughs> I've spent all my description powers. Solve my incredibly Spartan puzzle <laughs> when I spent far too long writing the introduction and got carried away. Was that? I was going to say. So we we were all waiting for an extra quarter of an hour. Was that that time spent on the introduction? That time was spent crafting the um, beautifully and accurately done spiral and letter grid. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so the, you're damning appraisal of so the that. letter grid. I do have to ask. It's not what program did you use that allowed Paint.net? <laughs> what? I mean, don't, it, don't it worked. Me, Alex. It works. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's so. I I assumed that that gap before the fourth column would have to be relevant, just because we've got APY. Massive space M, BLE, massive space N, UAC, massive space I. It just seems, uh, I'm just surprised that you've managed to do it so badly. It, it cuts so deep. It really does. I was impressed, John. Uh, it's fine. And yet, I'm surprised at getting visual assets into the room at all. You had visual. You had two visual assets, and you had descriptions of the paintings. So. Yes, we had we had descriptions. We had maps of the room. We had visual assets. I thought it was a really nice mix of various uh, props, as it were. Cool, cool. Was there anything um anything that you thought was unfair, or anything that you thought should have worked a different way, or should have been different, or you would change if you were running it? I would still want to know who killed him. Yeah, I would need there to be. If I'd done it, then there would have been a who done it. Um, yeah, we would solve that I'd riddle. I'd want that payoff. I'd want to put the ghost to rest in a less literal and a, and a more satisfying way. Mm. Oh, that is annoying. I mean, you, you did ask. I wouldn't have... Uh... No, 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 no. It is. It no, it is felt like a very fair. satisfying puzzle to solve yes. yeah, in as general. A, as a puzzle, it was very well built. But as a as a narrative, I feel like mm. we're we're missing the, uh, the payoff. And I look forward to it in the sequel, the story of George Ian. That was his name, wasn't it? Georgian. 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 Yeah, I liked how every painting was, it's a Georgian painting. I'm like, as opposed to. I was going to say, there were so many times I was just like, oh man, I really wish I knew more about the Georgian era because this seems like it's important. (laughs) (laughs) He's really hammering this Georgian thing. I mean, I was starting to think about the fashion. I was like, but surely the fashion has changed a lot since he was a baby to when he was an older man. Um, I suppose the question is. probably diving too deep. Are the guns accurate for the era in which it has taken place? No, because they were rifles. I mean, one of my paintings, I, was I drew think, a girl with an AK-47, so, but you know. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, at what point do, the, do we go from muskets to rifles and bullets? It's definitely before World well, War One. The women in the hunting party, I don't think possibly... I don't know. I don't know when. No, actually. I think they would have. Women went hunting in, in Elizabethan eras, but I don't know if they were allowed to go hunting with guns. I think they would have. Mm. If anybody knows, then... So a rifle is technically a, a type of musket. But... Yeah, it's a musket with, with specifically it's with rifling, so it has this kind of spiral core, which would have really fitted for this. The bullet post-dates the, the invention of the rifle, apparently. Hmm. Mm. Because they used them for skirmishing initially because it was much more accurate but at a slower rate of fire because they were much slower to load. So it took much more effort to get the damn ball down the damn barrel. It's like trying to screw on a lid that just won't catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'd use them for skirmishes um, as opposed to like snipers and stuff. Okay, but that was to. in the 1840s. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not really big on, on the different dates of the English monarchy, but I don't think... No, we're well into the Victorian I era. I don't think rifles existed yeah. in, in the Georgian era. <sighs> Damn it. So that's another mystery for the sequel. Mm. What, how mm. how did the rifles get into a Georgian? George Ian. George Ian found out something. Uh, time travel. George Ian, and the time, George Ian invented the rifle and then was killed with it to steal his invention by, by Connor's grandfather. Yeah, who then 
um, didn't actually bring the rifle out as a weapon of mass destruction until the 1840s, apparently. So he sat on that for... He waited until the American what, Revolution. a good 40 years? Oh. The Americans like to pay for things, so that was it. He, I mean, I don't know yeah. if that's... The Americans love to pay for things. <laughs> he sold to both sides. No, he probably only sold to the South because he probably had plantations. That would be the Civil War. The Revolution was against the English. Oh, I see. So you're talking about the Revolutionary War rather than the Civil War. Yeah. I was thinking because of the 18, 1800s, I was thinking. You know what? My... Uh, Civil War. I remember facts, not dates. Signing of the Declaration of Independence was 1776, or at least that's when sort of America as a country celebrates its birth date. Sorry, now I'm just looking at... Um, so people have been rifling things since the 1440s. Oh. And even earlier than that, uh, people were rifling... What, for, for accuracy? Yeah, and people were, were rifling the, um, the fletching of their arrows to, uh, to give greater accuracy. So it's been going on a while. Well, so what is the rifling then exactly? So rifling is when so you've got smooth bore and you've got rifle. So smooth bore is when the gun barrel is just a tube, just yeah. a, a blank tube, and you slot the thing in, you fire it. Um, easy to load, but not very accurate. The rifling is almost like a screw thread, but a very very gentle one. You engrave a yes. spiral into it so that as the bullet or the, the the ball starts to leave the gun, it starts to spin. Uh, and leaves spinning at a, a predictable rate, and that makes it travel through the air faster, more predictably. Yeah, in, in a more more of a straight line, basically. And, and so they used to, accurate. and they used to rifle their arrows. The fletching, they would basically make a give it spiral fletching, so that the arrow spun as it flew, which means oh. it's more likely to dig through the air in a straight line than go off at a funny angle. Oh, I did not know that. I just learned it on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that fletching was a thing, but I didn't know that they tried rifling it. That's fascinating. So that's where the idea came uh-huh. from. Very cool fact. Very cool fact. Is anyone coming in hot? Beg your pardon? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you coming in cross about anything or wanting to vent about something? <sighs> oh, come on, Olicos. You're cross about everything all of the time. I'm too tired to be cross right now. Oh. I'm, I'm crossed out. Is that a thing? That is. That is. I mean, or or I'm just so perpetually angry about everything all the time that I, I can't, it's I didn't realise. You didn't tell me to uh, prepare a hot take. Yes, I got a message yesterday. Last, I think it was in the, in the evening, uh, a message from Jonathan just saying, on the goes, will you do the podcast tomorrow? So he seemed very prepared. I think actually that's more notice than you've ever given me, John. So thank you for that. It's more notice than he gave himself, apparently, because he was still writing it 10 hours, 10 minutes oh. after he was supposed to start. <laughs> I think, see, I think John actually is ready on time, but he doesn't dare turn up on time because everyone expects him not to. So he just sits there going, no, not yet. No, It's the mystique of yet. John, is that what you're saying? If, if if I'm late, I can claim my puzzle was half-baked. So if they find holes in it, I've got it out. It's the Boris Johnson uh, strategy for escape room creation. Develop a, uh, a persona of kind of ruffled charismatic. <laughs> Don't throw up your drink. Sorry, I almost did a spit take there. When are you going to try this, John? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, on that subject, do you know about the speech, the Boris Johnson speech? Yeah. Mm, no. You know about this, Alan. Mm. You know about this? I do not. The speech? Okay. So so this was, was it Jeremy Vine, Alan, who wrote this? I'm not sure. I think, I think it was. Alan told me about okay, it. Okay. So, so basically, okay, way back when, like a few years ago, Jeremy Vine is at an awards ceremony for some 
bullshit financial instruments thing. Really, really dull conference where there's going to be, you know, awards. Everyone sat around tables drinking bad wine, uh, not drinking 19 crimes. Please sponsor us. Uh, and uh, having a bad time. And Jeremy Vine is the opening speaker. And he is supposed to introduce the local MP, uh, Mr. Boris Johnson, to give out the award. And Mr. Boris Johnson is not here yet. And Jeremy Vine has to go on in seven minutes and introduce him. So he's starting to panic now. Anyway, with four minutes to go, Boris Johnson appears, an absolute disheveled mess, sits down and says, oh, 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 oh. oh no, not, not, not Prince Philip, not Prince Philip. Hello, hello, uh, what's all this about? And uh, appears to not know even where he is, let alone what he's supposed to do. The other guests around the table with horror tell him that this is an award for, and it genuinely was, for credit default swaps, which was the financial instrument that brought about the 2008 crash. Nice. Believe it or not, Boris Johnson has a loose connection to that. <laughs> anyway, and um, and he, he doesn't know what one of those is, so they explain it to him, and he grabs a piece of paper and he starts scribbling a few notes down, but the notes make no sense. The notes are like, Margaret, uh, sheep, uh, you know, a few things. Jeremy Vine thinks this is going to be a disaster. He goes on stage, does his bit, introduces Boris Johnson. Johnson walks on stage up to the pedestal and then appears to completely freeze up. And, and then he says, uh, welcome everyone to the... Uh, and then he turns around and looks at the banner behind him to figure out what the name of the conference is. And somebody starts to laugh. He then cracks this other joke about a sheep farmer and people laugh more at how sort of semi-irrelevant it is he fiddles with his notes starts sort of doing his clowny thing and people are falling about thinking he's hilarious he refers to the award that he has to give out as this sort of a lozenge (laughs) yeah it's a disaster but everybody laughs and everybody thinks he's very very funny and he goes and sits back down And Jeremy Vine thinks, wow, I've just watched this guy get through that by the skin of his teeth. Several years later, Jeremy Vine finds himself once again at a conference for a completely different product. And once again, the main speaker is Boris Johnson. And once again, with seven minutes to go, Boris is not here. And he turns up with about five minutes to go and asks them where he is and does exactly the same thing Again, beat for beat, point for point, joke for joke, all of it. He had one speech and a sort of odd character framed in it. He got the same laughs with the same lines again, needing no content about where he actually was and nothing of substance at all. And this man, this very obvious fraud was our Prime Minister, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. That uh, feels like, um, is it the Jersey, is it Jersey Kosinski, the book, um, Being There? Is it Being There? Where Ooh, there's, there's this guy and he's, uh, he, he's lived all his oh, life. Oh, I've seen the, I've seen the film with. Um, yeah, I think there's a film of it. Yeah. Um, and he's basically, he's lived all his life on this estate. And then one day the old man whose estate it is. He was the gardener, dies. I think, was he? He was the gardener, exactly. And um, and they find him and they go, oh, who are you? And he goes, I'm Chauncey. Oh, what do you mean, Chauncey what? And he goes, Chauncey Gardener. And then they, I don't know how it happens, but basically they completely blow him out of proportion. Um, and he just, everywhere they take him, he just 
says random things that just come to mind because he has no idea. He's not ever been exposed to any of the world. He's lived there his entire estate. life. Yeah, he's lived there his entire wow. life, never left the estate. And, and, they, everyone, and, and he just gets onto him, basically. Yeah. But the difference is Chauncey mm. Gardner didn't know what he was doing, whereas Boris Johnson... Uh, is, Knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. It's terrifying. He's, he's got a public persona, hasn't he? Yeah. It's kind of really clever then, because if he mm. has all the same beats and the same speech and everything... So there is a skill there, and it's not just oh, yeah, an actual bumbling idiot. And that's the, that's the terrifying thing about it, is that he puts on this whole, oh, yeah, I'm just... One is but a bumbling idiot. <laughs> but he also um, thinks he's extremely clever, and I don't think he's that either. I think he's mm. just a common moron who's come up with enough clever things to get by, like people who learn enough jokes to seem funny. Mm so long as they keep meeting yeah. new people. But then if you, mm. yes. if you if they keep meeting the same people, they quickly run out of jokes because it turns out they're not actually witty. They've just memorised 15 jokes. He's clever enough to think he's clever. Yes, he definitely thinks yeah. he's clever. Yeah, and those 15 jokes of his have been worked enough that he's managed to impregnate however many women he's managed to impregnate, which just yeah, always that baffles is me. Just, yeah, I can only just assume blows they, are, my mind. they are just complete non-entities, those women. I can't otherwise imagine why they'd ever do that to themselves. No, no, I, I disagree. I disagree completely with you there, Don. I think those women are representative of our country at large <laughs> because our country at large mm. has allowed itself to be repeatedly fucked by a man <laughs> who confused charisma for character. And we do that over and over. Yeah. We are suckers. Oh, wait, which one did Liz Trust have? Ooh. <laughs> um, but especially when it comes to class, mm. like we'll take upper class charisma and we will confuse it for character really really easily we're suckers for that as a nation well you say it's, it's we, a massive vulnerability say, look yeah. at donald trump uh, as a nation maybe but uh, if you want me coming in hot then uh fuck all the tories welcome to our tory listeners <laughs> well, to our tory listeners both of them hello giles and giles <laughs> don't forget nigel yeah we as a nation have a tremendous weakness for that a class-based weakness for for just a charismatic posh boy. And I say that... You say that as a charismatic I, posh boy. I, I say that as a charismatic <laughs> posh boy. Like, I, I never went to private school. I never went to anywhere like that. But, but you can get away with that kind of persona. You can get away with a lot more than you should be able to get away with. By being well-spoken. By being well-spoken. Hmm. I mean, well-spoken and sort of affable. And white and male. And white and male. And rich. Oh, no, Anacos is very But it's interesting because this whole mystique of, you know, the upper class Brit, that's very much sort of the, the sort of stereotype that I think a lot of countries have of the British. And mm. that's sort of when we think, oh, you know, the nice, oh, the nice tea drinking Brit. Um, we think of that kind of upper class but it's not, white no, but male not nice. with lots of privilege and lots of money. Those, no. those- but the upper-class so, Brit are the ones who who want a return to the empire now, who yep. who see the um, the after effects of of the terrors of colonialism are just like, yeah, we we are fading as a nation. We need to to conquer more countries once again. We need to go. We need back. to bring more people sports. We can lose at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a painful one today. <laughs> I, I have no idea uh, what sport happened today. Um, I occasionally watch ice hockey. Uh, it was women's the Women's World, World Cup Final. Cup. Oh, okay. Wait, I thought the English women were doing well. Who did they get beaten by? 
Spain. Spain in the final. Oh, okay. Well, well done, Spain. And on that note, I think it's last order. I'm just happy people are speaking about women's football. That's 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 nice. I mean, you and the entirety of women's yeah. football is happy about no, this. I mean that. Yeah, that, um, I mean that completely sincerely. That's that's very good. Because at the moment, certainly, the, I, I I do not know much about football, so I may misspeak here terribly. But um, like the way I hear it gets spoken about, it's as a that it's a it's a better game being played mm-hmm. in the women's game, as in there's less throwing yourself less on the diving. floor. As if you less diving, thank you. Yeah. Um, less screwing around, less stupid money turning everything toxic. Yeah, just less, just less corruption, less bad. It's the same bad. with ice hockey. And I'm waiting. Uh, so, to men's yeah. ice hockey, you have you have the you have the 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 forcing of, of um, people, you know, the, um, checking, you have the fights, mm. etc. But uh, it's a full contact sport. But women's ice hockey doesn't have those same you can't you can't check someone definitely no fights uh basically none of the violence and as a result they play much better ice hockey because they can't rely on just being able to basically hit someone and it's a really enjoyable sport to watch it's like a metaphor for women in general because we can't fight physically we're having to find other ways to oh you you can fight physically (laughs) oh no i know we can Alid, I feel like there's a story there for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for Alid to like raise the shirt and show the scars. No, I've just seen a game of, America, of women's American football and just been amazed at how brutal it is. Yeah, but American football, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry in advance, Americans, for what I'm about to say. Um, it really yeah, apologies. It, it's <laughs> the slowest game in First the world. First of all. Why are all American sports so slow? Well, they're slow because you see the ambulance on the side and you think, oh, that's just in case. But no, the ambulance is on the pitch every 30 seconds because there's injuries every 30 seconds. But the reason there's injuries every 30 seconds is because they're wearing so much body armour, they just slam into each other without any heed for their own safety at all. They just they just run at each other, full pelt, like 250-pound guys going wham together and at full speed, which you don't do like even in men's rugby you don't do that because you won't have a shoulder anymore um it's the like the illusion of the illusion of protection makes things worse mm. somehow because you then act as if you're invulnerable oh there there's you a go. weird segue yeah to to suvs no well uh, to, to suvs and to like road safety mm. so i mean suvs the illusion of protection like and the illusion of quality as well but are people driving yeah. suvs i hate you too there's a lot of people lining up on your list now, Dom. Get out of that car and buy something better. Your children do not need to be in a Jeep. Come on. But what I was actually going to bring up was um, uh, cycling and helmets and the illusion of protection. Mm. So there's this really weird argument you can make that there is a public health good to be found by banning bike helmets. They did a, statist- they did a survey, didn't they? And they noticed that people drive closer to people who are wearing bike helmets than people who aren't. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah, yep. genuinely. Yep. yep. Is that how you're less likely to get hit if you've got a learner sticker on your car because everyone's going to avoid you? If you're driving, you see a cyclist with no helmet on, you will behave more mm. cautiously because you feel like they're vulnerable. But if you take the difference in uh, other road user behavior, the difference in car behavior, and then add it to the extra people who would cycle more if helmets weren't a thing... And that is a number that you can figure out, and it's a significant number. Hey, why? There's a public health good argument to not having bicycle helmets. So wait, people people don't cycle because of helmets? 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's a proportion of people like because it doesn't look cool. I don't know how this can be figured out, but you can. Yeah, you you can you can get the numbers on roughly how many more people would cycle around everywhere if you didn't have to wear bicycle helmets in this country. Have you got to wear bicycle helmets for for more? Are you? No, you don't. I don't think there's not a law. The cops won't stop you, but you know you're supposed to. Uh, for for evidence here, I will turn to our Dutch participant in the land of the bicycle. Yes, where nobody wears a helmet because it's not compulsory. But uh, apparently, in the 70s, a lot of people were um, dying from cycling-related accidents because cars weren't paying attention. Which is when the rule came in, uh, and they changed the law that um, anyone who's going straight ahead on a road, you know, so if, if a car is coming alongside you and wants to turn in across your path, basically, they have to wait. They have to bloody wait, which finally has now become a thing here in England as well. I don't feel like a lot of... Yes. yes. Oh, see, yeah. I was just going to say, segue yes, into... It, it was. It was quite recent. So pedestrians now the also train? have right away. Yeah, at a crossing, pedestrians have right away. If they, if they are crossing, you have to wait as a car driver. You have to wait for the pedestrians. Um, I think you also have to wait for the cyclist. Yeah, but you the other to. thing that they changed in um, in the Netherlands, sort of in terms of law, is that whenever there is an incident between a car and a bike, it's the car's fault. It is at least ha- half the car's fault. Whatever happened, if the even if the car is you know standing still and the cyclist just rams straight into the car, it is the car's fault at least fifty percent of it. Um, and so that sort of legally has changed a lot of. Um, Whereas in the UK. Fun fact, if you want to murder someone and get away with it successfully is to run over a cyclist in a car because you are more likely to get let off than any other method of killing. Particularly if you're an upper-class person driving a Land Rover. (laughs) 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 There it is. Boom. And on that note, I think it's time for us all to go back to our Mm. beds. Back in my box. You say back to our beds as if that's where we crawled from to do this podcast and now we're going to go back. John assumes no one exists really until he needs them. (laughs) (laughs) I've summoned you. Come here. Me me and Boris, that's how we live our lives. I think we'll leave it there, ladies and gentlemen. Onikos, Dom, Adder, thank you very much for joining me. And thank you, dear listener, if you are still with us <laughs> after, after Highway Code chat, chapters one, two, and three. It well, depends on whether you edit it out or not. We'll see. Dear listener, if you are still with us, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time on the Infinite Escape Room. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.